it's recording now, everybody. Right, so um, so Getting Better Acquainted is a weekly podcast uh, that I make, uh, and I'm the host. Uh, and what it is, is it's uh, a conversations with people I know, from my closest friends and family to someone that I might once have met at a party. So uh, it's been an interesting few years having those conversations. You know, you have the, the conversations you always wanted to have with your parents and stuff like that. So uh, part of what it is, is it's a kind of autobiography through conversation. Uh, like every in every episode, the way I relate to that person tells you a little bit more about me. But it's not all about me. Uh, it's about the guests as well. And so what it is also is it's an oral history project. It's a it's a uh, it's a chat show with people who aren't famous. Although uh, that said, uh, nowadays I know I know that's hard. <laughs> nowadays a few of the people are famous, and the way that I sort of like uh, frame that is that we, I talk to famous people as if they were normal people because that's what they are. Uh, so that's the refreshing look when I'm talking to someone who's famous. I don't know if you class yourself as famous, but we'll I'm pretty we'll, famous. Right there we go. <laughs> however, however you want to define yourself, that's how I like to define people. But yes, yeah, so that's what getting better acquainted is. You can find it at www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk uh, and uh, this is uh, the theme tune right so yes. right i want to get better please make me better i want to get better 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 acquainted with you Uh, and today we're getting better acquainted with uh, Tama Katan. Uh, hello, Tama. Hi. Right. Great song. That was cool. <laughs> I know it's an interesting. I'm doing it live means I'm kind of serenading my guests. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> I didn't want to make direct eye yeah. contact. Like normally, I don't. So, I don't sing the, the ukulele looking, to people. Yeah, no, I know. I was looking right at your eyebrows, just above the eyes. No, I re- I <laughs> realised that. Safe. Realised that on the first day down here that I, it was going to become a serenade, yeah. uh, and it was kind of, and it's also kind of me begging you to make me better, which <laughs> is kind of what the show's about a little bit. Um, but yes, the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? Uh, let's see. The first time we met was it, I think it was at Spark. Yes, London. that's right. This, that's right. Uh, a storytelling show. Yep. And uh, for me, it was an unusual night because I'd never done storytelling before. Right. And uh, and when you're a comic, sometimes it's like being a nudist, hmm. like when it comes to your private life. So I was like talking about stuff that maybe normal people wouldn't talk about. So, and it's the first time I'd ever done that in a storytelling capacity. Right. So it was interesting to get like such a positive experience out of it. Yeah. Versus normally where people at parties just start to move away from me. Right. Like, <laughs> towards the chips. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was nice to like have people go like, oh, that was cool. And that's when I met you and you told me about the, having a show in Edinburgh and then I, I came and did stand-up tragedy with yeah. you, which was great. You've done three performances with uh, with us up here yeah. and uh, they, they've really been remarkable. I Thanks, mean, uh, they've been really powerful. I mean, two of them were basically the same, but a refined version of the, the same thing. Yeah. And, and the last one was a new piece. Both of them were kind of new. Like you were yeah, reacting yeah, very much to the life, the day of, to the yeah. world around you at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, I lo- like they were the perfect stand-up tragedy set because they were raw and they were sad, but they also made you laugh, right? And that's what yeah. we want to do. I mean, yeah. not every act has to make people laugh, but it's sure. good when the comedians do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, 
<laughs> and and so they, they, it's been a pleasure having you Thanks, on man. our stage. And I saw your stand up last night, uh, mm. your American Road Show. So I feel like I've seen you kind of doing the tragic. I've seen you doing the storytelling, and finally I've actually seen what you do normally, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, last night. Yeah. Although I don't know if there's that much of a difference between the topics. It's just slightly the way that you present them. Totally. Because you're quite a yeah. brave stand up in that you oh, go into you. some like dark areas just in your actual routine. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think so. Like I think of comedy, it's just the blues without music. Right. Right. Like there's different styles of comedy. Like there's different styles of music. And then like I think the style of comedy I like is is there's comics who make things funny, and then, sorry, comics who say funny things, and then there's comedians who make things funny. And right. I like the latter. I right. like laughing at stuff we're not supposed to laugh at, or that we don't laugh at enough. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's got that, what I respond to the most in comedy, I guess, uh, is truth of some kind, right? Yeah. It can be surreal comedy. It can be, there's loads of different ways we can yeah. get at truth. It doesn't all have to be a man bearing their soul or a woman bearing sure. their soul on stage. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, you know, those, anything with something that rings true, yeah. although obviously truth is, I mean, a million things. Yeah. Uh, they all contradict each other. But something that rings true, it doesn't have yeah. to be true. Yeah. And that's what I like in what you do and the kind of the genre of comedians that you're in, right? Thanks. Like, yeah, I appreciate that. So, I mean, what would you, what kind of a comedian would you say you were? I, you know, I don't know. Like, I, because I, I don't like the subcategories, to be honest. Like, right. I have some friends that are like, oh, this is alternative comedy and this is this and this is that. And I'm like, you know, there's funny and then there's, and then there's not funny. Right. And then there's like, and then there's, you know, truth tellers and storytellers. And, you know, I think, I, I don't want to say that I'm any one thing because I don't want to be afraid to do something that I don't think I am. Nice. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've done shows here that have been different to stand up. They've been, I've done the spoken word shows. I've done alternative rooms. I've done, and I, and I, my comedy genuinely changes when I do an alternative room. I'd rather be like a studio musician who can jam with anybody right. than be like this where I go, I'm just this type of comic. Cool. I, I love making people laugh. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's great. I mean, it's good. I, I, it's good that I checked with you what you thought you were before I just kept I'm on defining even, you. No, as you're right. Right. That's okay. Um, it might help. Maybe yeah. it'll help me figure out. Because I mean, I certainly the sort of stuff I've seen has been quite kind of confessional comedian, I guess, like a, the, the, that, that tradition that comes a lot from America of like people who bear like bear their bear the worst of themselves so sure. that we can all feel better about ourselves sure. and that they're kind of actually experiencing complicated emotions on stage and maybe yeah. in their lives. Uh, it's but the we worst get, that I was we get the chuckles you. from it, right? Yeah. So, no, so it's, we're kind of very parasitic in that relationship. Yeah. I feel like the audience. Yeah. We're like, let's go along and feel better about our lives. While yeah. the person who's having a shit life, uh, we don't help them. <laughs> Maybe we give them a bit of money. Uh, that's, that's all we're doing, really. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad that there are people for us to suck the blood out of, like you. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, the second question I ask everybody is, uh, what do you do now? And I guess we've quite touched on that, but if someone was to ask you that at a party, what would you say? I'm a comedian. So you're yeah. comf comfortable. Yeah. You're not, it in, took me three years to right. say that. Like the day I changed it on Facebook, where I changed right. my occupation to professional comedian, I go, oh, this is what it must be like to change your status to married. Right. On a Facebook. Right, right. Like it was a big deal to me. Like it took me a year, I think, where I thought about it. Mm. And it took me an entire year where I actually did it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, 
I've gone freelance as a kind of creative person now. Yeah. So now I have to act. The my only answer is like what I actually do. I yeah. no longer have the day job, and uh, that's a really it's great. Com- yeah, it's great, but I I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm at the stage yet that I'm comfortable calling myself what I am. Oh, um, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I still have to do it now, but it's it's just awkward, you know. Like sure, I mean, sure. yes, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, I do a lot of things kind of <laughs> creatively, and then like people are like, I'm, I've got I've, I've got bored already, right? It's so uh, it's good. It's yeah. good. It's good that you've got to that point where, like, you, you know, it happened at the same time as you were doing it professionally, and you felt comfortable yeah. saying you were doing it. That's I a had good a year of awkwardness. I had like yeah. a year where I didn't know how to answer, and I think of that as like that was my cocoon, right? Like I was a caterpillar before. I wanted to be this butterfly, but people look at me and go, "You're not a butterfly." Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, right. And then I was in my cocoon, and people were like, "What are you?" And I'm like, oh, "I'm a man boy." It was like going through puberty, <laughs> right? It's like I sound like a lady, but I have a beard. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like being a teenage boy, where you're like two things. Yeah. And then you know now I think yeah. the awkwardness I think is a good sign. I think that's the cocoon. Right. Okay. Tight. I'm in the cocoon. I'll be a butterfly soon. Yeah. Know? That's exactly. what you're telling me. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I've got the right laces for it. They're, <laughs> they're purple and sparkly, uh, <laughs> listeners. Um. So yeah. Um. When, why comedy? Like, why has that come into your life? Like, you're someone who tells jokes, but I mean, what makes you do that? Uh, this is going to sound weird. Uh, there's this quote I remember from, I, I don't remember if it was Freud or it was some psychologist. He said, comedy is a weapon of the underdog. And like, I grew up in a, uh, I used to get the shit beat out of me. You know, the, the short answer, I used to get beat up a lot. Right. And the difference for me is I had bullies at school and then I had a bully at home. I had a kind of that dynamic, yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what it's, it's like. An, it's an yeah. interesting, unique situation to be in, isn't it? Yeah. Having those two things be shit in your childhood. Oh, totally. Yeah. Great totally combination. Weird. Yeah, I mean, my yeah. dad gave me a black eye once. Right. And then I used my mom's makeup to hide it. And then I went to school and these kids were like, you're wearing makeup, fag. And then they gave me another black eye. Oh, and I had two black eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so angry. And then so, you know, like the whole quote from Freud was comedy is a weapon of the underdog. And I started making fun of the kids that would beat me up. And then they started not liking it. And then so they said, if you stop making fun of me, I'll stop beating you up. Right. So I very much turned it into a weapon. See, that's a really good reaction. What happened when I was bullied, and I wasn't physically bullied in the same kind of way, it was emotional bullying, pretty much at home and at school, although there was yeah. some physical, like my, my stepdad hit me, but yeah. Uh, we'll get to that um, but the, but in school like my reaction was not I know how I'll do all this I'll, I'll entertain these people I'll make yeah. it was to just shout at them and tell them how morally wrong it was and to try and plead with them I always tried to plead with their like better selves like, yeah. I was always making dramatic speeches to them like there was times when I, like there was a time like, and I was always like I was trying to like when little kids would pick on me I would try and demonstrate I could beat them up if I wanted to but I'm a pacifist yeah. right? so, so I would do That's things like awesome. holding like I remember holding a kid up on, like, on a wall and saying, look, I could beat you up if I like. And then, you know, three people jumped me from behind and I was kicked in the face and my glasses were broken. So it wasn't a very great, uh, <laughs> great thing. Actually, and the, the other time, I, I threw, tried to throw someone on the ground um, yeah. to try and, like... Um, demonstrate I could beat them up but the, the ground happened to have a corner nearby it and they cracked their head and oh, blood no. was splitting out and I thought I killed them and I basically was in shock and the, 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 they had to take me into the into the office and give me like a cup of tea to like oh. sh- to chill me out right and I'm like I'm the one who's hurt the kid uh, anyway yeah I love that a cup of tea is something, <laughs> something you even get in a hospital came, right? yeah, you're yeah. going into shock here's some tea yeah like, that's awesome it's ridiculous and you know he wasn't even hurt it's just scalps bleed a lot right so, yeah yeah they do yeah. it's scary yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but I wish I'd had that reaction of managing to charm that that group. You know, it's taken yeah. me a long time. I've got c- 
compassion for those people now. I, yeah. I can have a perspective on it, and but I wish I'd not been. I wish I'd been able to get some people on side by being funny, yeah. rather than just a few people noticing I was interesting. If you could get through the intensity, yeah. You know. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I think it was it was uh, something I learned from the community because the community I lived in was very black and Mexican, right? And so I walked in, and they were going, "Wait, you look Mexican, but you have black hair. What the fuck are you?" Do you know what I mean? And so it was like going to jail, not being able to be in a gang, right? I was the most exposed. Yeah, and but, you you weren't either of those things, right? No, no, I'm Egyptian. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm Egyptian. I feel like I'm so. asking you, what the fuck are yeah, you? Yeah, well, no, wrong, you, but yeah. No, 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 it's it's fine. But like for in in our community, remember the movie Eminem, the Eight Mile with yeah, Eminem, yeah, Eminem, and they did battle rapping. Right in the street, battle rapping is called playing the dozens, and the reason why they call it the dozens is it comes from slavery. Like when they used to sell slaves, they'd sell them one at a time, unless there was something wrong with you a fucked up arm or messed up hair lip or a weird ear and then there'd be 12 slaves in a cage making fun of each other back and forth and that's where battle rapping came from it came from people with ailments and handicaps making fun of each other and playing the dozens and so that's why I learned that you could use comedy as a weapon right and I saw people like there was regular lunch and then for the poor kids there was this thing called nutrition it was 10 minutes where the government gave you milk and trail mix and during those 10 minutes we'd battle rap Right. You know, or dozen, play the dozens, yeah. So that's when I learned it. So you but, learn how to do it, and I guess the, the twin things that influenced you to have something that you wanted to say were those two different dark yeah. parts of your childhood, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming there were two. There could be, yeah, absolutely. There could be more. I well, mean, those were the two biggest. You can go for the, you can go for the bingo card. Those were the two biggest. I mean, right. and also moving from Egypt to America was like right. shocking. You so know? you were born in Egypt? Yeah, right? in Cairo, yeah. And then how old were you when you went to America? Uh, eight. Right. Yeah. So, so you lived quite a long time then. Yeah, oh, I know Egypt really well. Right. Like, I still can pick, I, I close my eyes and I'm in Egypt. I can smell it. Do you know what I mean? What does like, it smell like? Uh, a lot. Dust. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Dust and heat and noise. Egypt feels like a sweaty person's hugging you. Wow. All the time. All the time. Like an overly affectionate, <laughs> a drunk, sweaty guy is just, come on, let's go somewhere together. And he won't let go. And you're like, dude, you're so heavy. Yeah, that's Egypt. That's what it feels like. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, that's, uh, and then, so, like, so you, I guess you spent, you, you didn't speak English, I guess? you were. Not, that's not your native? Very poor. Right. I mean, I spoke some English, but it wasn't great. And uh, the house I lived in, we were, we were spoiled. We lived in one of the nicest parts of Cairo. My grandmother's Greek, because a lot of Greeks moved to Egypt and Alexandria. And so we were in Alexandria and Cairo, so my family was so mixed, you know, between, we had Muslims, Christians, and Jews all in one family. Wow. And a lot of performers and artists, and, you know, so there's a lot of languages being spoken in the house, but English was the least of the languages. Right, okay. Yeah. And that's kind of the most useful one when you're Yeah, like, when you're going to move to <laughs> When you're moving, yeah. yeah, right. Well, it was my grandmother's way of fighting it. She did. She knew that my mom and dad had sent, you know, applied for a green card. And my grandmother, every time anybody even mentioned America, she'd fake spit at them, right. like she didn't want her grandson to leave. Right. You know, so she didn't like it, and that was probably one of the reasons why we spoke such little English in the house because it made my grandmother angry. Right. Well, yeah. fair enough. I mean, yeah. if I wasn't English, I'd be fucking angry. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, anybody that's not English has been colonized by them pretty much at some point. <laughs> Uh, including the Welsh. I mean, that's the thing. When I moved to, I moved from England to Wales mm. uh, when I was twelve, and that was kind of one of the reasons why the bullying set in. I think there were loads of sure. other reasons. I was like raw from home, and they sense weakness, don't they? Like sharks. Yeah. Um, 
but, but, but I mean, it was hard enough for me going in with a different accent, right? Yeah. If you're going in with a different language, you're going in with like a different sure. accent with that. I mean, what you're was different. that? different. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. And what was that like? I mean, a discovering that you were different when you aren't really different. You're just from a different place. Yeah. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I stopped blaming the kids really quickly. I, I was an only child. So I, and both my parents had to work two jobs. So I was home alone a lot. And so I had to think a lot. And if this was the biggest problem, it was in the front of my face. I stopped blaming the kids. I started blaming their parents. I knew that their parents were racist. Right. Because what would happen is I'd watch the news, and whenever the news would talk about gas prices going up, I'd be like, oh, shit, I'm going to get beat up today. And I knew because what would happen is their parents would yeah. be like, fucking Arabs. Right. Fuck Arabs this, Arabs that. And then the kids would be like, oh, I know an Arab. Mm. And then they'd be mean to me. It's just like when somebody's walking a dog and they go, oh, my dog's racist. No, you're racist. Right. You your dog feels dog your racism racist, through right. the leash. And same thing with these parents. They, If a kid was mean to me, I started going, um, I stopped being mad at them. And I just started looking looking at them as stupid. Right. Like, And, and now I know their parents are assholes. But, I mean, do you, I mean, I, I mean, it's a weird thing to say. But, I mean, if you're, if you're having an understanding for why the kids are doing that. I mean, there's also reasons why those adults were kids, right? Yeah. So, I mean, do you ever get to the point where you can even empathize with them, even though they're so fucking wrong what they do? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing. It's so that's what I find the older I get, the harder it is to hate. Yeah, I agree. It's really I annoying. Agree. Yeah, because yeah. hate's really like pleasing, isn't it? Because you know, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's, no, there's no right or wrong. It's no, just straight. You know, you just hate. It's yeah. good. But everything has a, everything has a, every emotion has a purpose. You know, what I mean? like when we get angry and our face goes like this, that's fight. Like your eyes get narrow, you literally don't hear as well. It's fight, it's go attack right. the target. And when you get surprised or scared, you go, <gasps> so that you can't talk, your eyes get bigger, so you find escape routes. Right. And so it's fight or, or flight. So our emotions, there's a purpose to it. Right. And I think the reason why we're less angry than maybe we used to be when we were younger is because we're not at the life stage if we were in a tribe where we'd be going out and killing the animals. Yeah. Now we're the guys that you know tap their sh warriors on the shoulder and go, good job. Yeah, that's young that. angry kid. Thanks for the boar. There's that, and then there's the fact that you know people aren't hitting us or emotionally abusing us now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's easier now. Yeah, right? we'll just be telling jokes while right. we cook the pigs. Yeah, we got the we got the and you got the time to think. You don't have the time yeah. at the moment when when you're in the moment. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing, hate though. I mean, I I remember like the the day that I stopped hating my mother was the day I said out loud, "I hate you." Yeah, like that's a weird thing. Like yeah. sometimes you just need to express that, and then you can totally. move on, on from that place. Yeah, it's good to let it out. It's important, I think, right. especially for men. Yeah, we're taught to hold everything. Taught, in. Yeah, yeah, which is terrible. I remember this really crazy story. My uh, therapist told me, <laughs> I was, you guys think therapists are for crazy people in the UK, but in America, dogs go to therapy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, more, it's and good, more, yeah, it's more and more people you. do use therapy here. The yeah. pro problem here is, you know, you can't get it on the NHS very easily. Oh, uh, okay. you, well, you guys have to pay for it from the beginning. So oh, you, yeah, you we're used more, to paying so for it. Yeah. I shouldn't complain. But it's, it's good. And I remember this day because I remember feeling like I didn't realize there was something wrong with me. I'm talking to him about my dad. And this professional therapist goes, oh, my God, that's fucked up. And I was like, are you supposed to say that? Is that like a medical term? You don't say, wow, that's fucked up. It's like a doctor looking at your x-ray and going, Ugh. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not yeah, supposed yeah. to do that. So they told me, he's like, do you, do you cry? Do you think it's okay to cry? And I'm like, uh, no. I mean, uh, yes, no. And I didn't know how to feel. And he goes, he's like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you to cry. What I'm telling you is that maybe crying is a way to release pain. And when you get sad, maybe allow yourself to feel sad just for 10 minutes every morning. Just allow it to happen. And I was like, he's all promised me. And I go, oh, okay, fine. And in the first few days, I didn't do it. Day three, I, I did it. And I actually cried a little bit. 
day four, I'm in my car and I'm driving to work and I just start crying, like uncontrollably, you know, crying. And I'm sitting in my car, it's a red light. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening in a car. This car drives up to me and it's a woman and she looks at me and it's almost like a mirror because I can see her sadness starts to match mine. And she goes, oh, and for some reason I just go, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I totally flip her off, right? right? Because I was so angry. I didn't want anybody to see me being that sad. Do you know what I mean? And then the light turned green and I drove off and she was still sitting at the green light. That's it. But it's we're so, not allowed to cry. We're not allowed we to are. talk and shit, but it's good for us. Well, that's, I mean, in that way, I think is where, like, my my direction that I took when I was being bullied and that sort of thing is probably a better way. So I was someone who cried. I am someone oh, who lucky. can yeah, cry. Um, well, it's not so lucky at school, right? Yeah. Like, the reason that you learn not to cry is because that shows you're weak. Yeah. Um, and so, like, if you can't learn that, there's a different problem. It's it's a different problem. It's not better or worse. Uh, probably, I think you've had a harder life. If we're going to play Top no, Trump's Life, no, right, no, no, no. you're going to win. No. Um, but I don't like to play that game. Yeah, no, That's a not. bit of a stupid game <laughs> no, to play. It's not, it's not yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think, like, so what you, you're, you were crying, like, your, the tears that you were releasing in that moment, part of they, those were, I, I guess, related to the school stuff we've talked about. But I guess it wasn't an easy time at home. Like, do you feel comfortable sharing some, something uh, sure. like that? Oh, sure. No, it was, my, it was my dad, 100%. You know what I mean? I didn't care. It, it, some, a stranger beating you up, is that's just life. Right. But when your dad does it, that's different. Yep. You know what I mean? That's a very different experience. So there's a lot of stuff with my dad where I just stopped talking to him. And then he got cancer. And then, like, the last few years of cancer, then we got close. But because cancer and stress are so closely related... I didn't talk to him much about what happened. So then he died, and after he died, I felt the need to, like, get it out. And so I started kind of... That's when the first time when I formally went from saying, I'm a funny person, to I want to do stand-up. Right. You know? Like, I thought of being funny as, like, being tall, but getting good at stand-up is, like, learning to play basketball. Right. Okay. Right? You can be a tall guy that can't shoot. Right, right. You know? So it was like, that's the first time I, like, formalized it and said, yeah, this is who I am as, a, as an identity. Once I started talking about shit, yeah. Right, so basically, like, in a way, stand-up is a therapy, therapeutic process, right? It's my NHS. Well, that's yeah. really interesting. I mean, this yeah. show is my therapy, right? Yeah. I see it and I talk yeah. about other people's lives, sometimes about my own, and it makes me have some perspective, yeah. makes me learn some stuff. Totally. Um, and, you know, so I, I'm, I'm all for, like, making... You know, why, can't, why, why not try and make it an artistic thing if you're going to have to go through this process? Why not share it with some other people sure. to maybe help them out, right? Yeah. Um, but it's it's it's. A, I don't know if you've had any of these kind of mo- like I ha- when I when I one moment that made me real like because so you, your childhood right yeah. like my childhood that's our normal right yeah so we don't get how weird it is unless you sort of put it in context with other people's right yeah so is yeah. that how you feel yeah I mean I for me it was a moment in a movie when I went oh shit I'm not normal what was what was the moment yeah uh, I had friends in my house and we were watching Midnight Express. The, the guy who gets caught for drugs and they put him in a Turkish prison. Right. And they lift up his feet and they start beating the bottom of his feet. And all my friends around me were like, <gasps> and I'm like, what? And he got a bad grade in history. <laughs> like, that's normal, right? Your dads don't beat the bottom of your feet with right, sticks. Like, right, that's not... right, right. And they all looked at me like I was, they're like, are you kidding around? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm kidding around. Yeah. And then, so I was like, oh, oh shit, the stuff he did to me is like, those are torture tactics that they've used oh, in prisons. Yes. And exactly. I was like, okay, that's weird. That's not normal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, my, my stepdad hit me a few times. Yeah. That was kind of shocking because 
my other parents that was not the culture like that was very against the culture that I was brought up sure. in so it was shocking sure. but it was only a few fucking times right it yeah. was a threat I was always scared but I was never beaten with sticks on my yeah. feet you know sure sure but at, the, but at my moments for like realising things was weird I remember I, I, I worked with children uh, like the end of fives and so I went on a, a CRB check like a not a CRB check a, a um, child protection course sorry so oh, that you wow. learn about you know that's not a fun day yeah of course you know because so, yeah. you learn some shit yeah. Uh, and we were kind of going through uh, the um, like um, uh, emotional abuse, like different kinds, different forms, and we were like supposed to like read these and see. And every one of them, I was like, oh, f- that's that's yeah, that was what happened. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what happened. Oh, right. So this is bad enough to be illegal. Wow. Um, <laughs> interesting. Uh, and so like, and my and my sister works with kids too, and she had the same experience. And we wow. talked about it. And we were like, yeah, I realised it was. We're really wrong when, yeah, when we were told, taught that that's what we should look out for in the kids that we work with. Wow. I mean, it's not like, I don't want to make out that my mum was really emotionally abusive. There was yeah. certainly a big chunk at the end of the sure. worst stuff that she never went near. She always yeah. kept a roof over our head. She had reasons sure, behind but it. Right? But we always say stuff like that. Yeah, like, we She did. kept a roof over my head. That's the basic responsibility. <laughs> no, 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 but <laughs> she worked. Like, she worked no, for, you know, harder than the men, and maybe the men sure. caused her to be in that position. But like, it doesn't excuse the abuse. It does not. Oh, yeah, no. I, and we always do that. Like having an abusive parent is like breaking up with a girl that was shitty to you. After the breakup, you're like, she was great. She wasn't terrible all the time. Nah, she, you know, abuse yeah. is still abuse, and it, and it and it it's it's wrong. But we do that a lot. Like I I used to have this joke where I said maybe my dad didn't really abuse me. Maybe he was just really shitty at giving high fives. Right. Right. <laughs> and it was like, but he did. He did. And when I think back, there's like there's like a couple clear pictures where I go, no, that's fucking abuse. That's inexcusable shouldn't do that yeah I mean yeah and, and uh, th- there are levels I mean I just I mean I guess I really am trying the hardest I can to sort of uh, try and see the frail like frail of human course, inside yeah, these yeah, abuses yeah. No and I feel perfect, like yeah. one of the reasons we don't talk about abuse very much and one of the things I like about your comedy is you do I think one of the reasons we don't talk about it is because we make them so much monsters yeah, that, that yeah. we can't like it doesn't make sense to us to yeah. talk about it but actually they're not monsters yeah. they're complicated people with their own reasons for that course, and if we could course. help them earlier that would be better than course, yeah. but we could maybe help them now you know yeah exactly and they are you know they're people we love right of course yeah, that's yeah. complicated yeah thing to have that love for someone who also busy I guess that's what you've got right? yeah definitely definitely I mean that's in I think the piece I did with you guys the metaphor I made is that I'm not mad at my dad I understand the dynamics of abuse now I understand that a vampire bit my dad and that made him a vampire and then he tried not to bite me but he did and now I have to work to not be a vampire right like he was the Transylvania vampire I'm like the Twilight vampire. Right. I could still have a girlfriend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can live in Seattle. No, I mean, Do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean, yeah. You know, versus well, the I pure feel, monster. Well, I feel that strongly about that. that I mean, I had a vasectomy, so I can't uh, be a vampire. No, I can't vampire anyone what? else. What made you have a vasectomy? Uh, I don't want to have children. Uh, wow, that's a pretty one bold the, move. One of the reasons being I don't want to carry out that cycle. I'd rather yeah. adopt. Because I feel like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I don't, neither me or my partner want kids, so it's probably yeah. not going to happen. But if I was going to have kids, I think I could, if I adopted a fucked up one, I'd be able to help them. So know what it's like to be fucked sure, up. Sure. If I have a, a non-fucked up kid, I don't know what it's like to not be fucked up. So yeah. I would end up fucking them up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, that's kind of like, I mean, there's loads yeah. of other reasons. Overpopulation, can't see a... A lot, sure, sure. can't see a delightful future for the children yeah. so why, why why put them into that but yeah I mean yeah. There's, there's that stuff yeah yeah 
But yeah, it's it was. I mean, the main thing. I think I spent Christmas with my mum, and that was when I made the final decision. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever told her that? Like, um, I, you I, made me kind of dissect. I might. I mean, I might tell her that if it came up, but oh. I would. I would try and resist it. What 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 about your mom made you decide I'm gonna have a vasectomy? Um, well, she she was just a very complicated mother. Like I'm talking, like, sure. now, oh my god, now I'm gonna do the Mark Maron thing. Oh, I, 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 Mark Maron's a big. I'm a big fan of Mark Maron. Me too. Your Facebook picture, you got your arm around Mark. Yeah, Maron. yeah. That was intimidating for me. Oh, don't be silly. Oh, he knows no, Mark no, Maron, and now no. I'm gonna try and be Mark Maron. Oh, with him. No, 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 no. Mark Maron is I, an American uh, comedian yeah. who interviews people uh, a little bit like this, but he's more famous than me. Uh, yeah. No, no, he, a lot he, more famous than me. I, I don't. I, I mean, we hung out one time we we're in the sh in the same sure i get i get that it was picture, that yeah. I, I thought that it was that but at the I same time yeah. i didn't know yeah. you know yeah i don't know you could you could be like you know you, you know him so well you've never gone on his show because no, no. you just don't like it's too much <laughs> no no i can't like call him and ask for like, extra guava or anything like that he doesn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. he might look at me and be like uh, oh yeah hey, hey how's it going? you know what I mean? yeah 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 no, he doesn't know me that sure 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 <laughs> but yeah no i mean i guess like i say like i feel like um, I've got a lot of rage in me. I mm. can control that rage, but yeah. I think that when you love someone a lot, then that's when you can't control the rage, maybe. Yeah. And I feel like if I ever, because my mum hit me actually, um, and it is violent, she's very threatening. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if I ever hit somebody with the rage that she has, like I hit walls, I hit that stuff, I use that rage against walls occasionally. I'm pretty cool these days, I have got it under control, I have to say. Yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, I have that inside me. And I don't know if I could keep it in with a child in the way that I... And I've worked with kids and I can definitely keep it yeah. in with other people's children. Yeah, but when weird. you're so connected, I just fear... Yeah, it's a scary thing. And it's weird it's, to be afraid of you. Yeah. It's a weird feeling to be afraid of yourself. And if there weren't all of these other things that I also think means I don't want children, then that maybe wouldn't be... Like, I maybe would choose to have children and I'd wrestle with it and I'd listen to people who are saying, hey, you know, actually maybe you should do some more therapy and then have some kids. Well. Sure. Um, but and the, since there's the other four things that made me not want to have children, particularly my girlfriend not wanting to have children, yeah. it's, it's quite awkward if you, you know, if I want children now. Yeah, uh, well, sure. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's it. But I mean, I mean... Yeah, I mean, do you want children? Do you want to carry on that cycle? <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I know, it, I know you know? that... Uh... Things affect me. Do you know what I mean? Like stories affect me. Things that happen in the news affect me. Films, meeting someone will affects the way I think and affects the way I see the world. So it's, I couldn't say that I never want anything. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I know I look, you look at my tattoos and go, well, hey, right? Like, but the tattoos to me are different. I look at tattoos differently, like in terms of permanence. Like I, I, I don't know that five years from now I may not want kids. I might, right. you know? So I, I, I couldn't do anything as... Blunt is boom, gonna have a sex to me. Right. The tattoos for me are different because the tattoos for me are all like they're all memorial tattoos of people that have died. So for me, with a tattoo, even though it's permanent and even though my opinions might change, I'm never gonna remove photos from a photo album. Right. And that's what tattoos are to me. They're they're photos in a photo album. They're, they're the story of your life. In exactly. Some ways, right. Exactly. So, so I don't you can't yeah. regret it. So it's I won't like what part of you. Yeah. Right? Even if my opinion changes about what tattoos look like I'm, it's not going to change that I'm never going to be upset that I have them on my body yeah do you know what I mean but yeah. other, other forms of permanency I'm not uh, I don't think I'm smart enough to know whether or not uh, there's a god or whether or not I'm definitely not going to have kids you right know right, I mean? right. I'm, I'm still farther away from getting to Yoda 
Well, for me, partly it's about choice, right? I believe in women's right to choose. Sure. And so uh, because of that, I can't influence them either way if I was to get them pregnant. So uh, if I want to have choice, the only way I can have that is to take the steps myself. Sure, sure. Fair. Uh, So that's part of it for me. But, But I mean, that's, yeah, so like you're sort of yeah I was going to say yeah the the, 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 the the tattoo thing made me think about the fact that you are quite like you, you have obviously embraced in many ways the trappings of masculinity right you yeah. you, you had to be tough right to get up yeah. in some way yeah. like whether it's your humour will have been hard that you were using it as a weapon you're yeah. a very macho like looking guy yeah. you always you have bits about that you have bits that you know say that you're scary looking sure, uh, and, sure. and, and, and you know that's not just to do with race it's to do with the, with the tattoos and the hat sure. and all of those things that yeah. make people scared they don't get scared of people in bowler hats like no, me. no. I mean, so, so there is some race yeah. and class involved but no I mean I know you know I got a scar next to my eye and all this stuff like if I was in a movie I'd be the bad guy do you know what I mean well, yeah, I, well, I know that. simply for your ethnicity yeah. really well yeah that too <laughs> I mean, that's, they're, that's, they're, they're that the rules for you terrorists right? yeah, or, yeah, or, or true. criminals yeah I mean I'm not saying it's good I'm not endorsing no, no. that that's okay but like but sometimes here's the thing that I discovered through through therapy like sometimes uh, like I, I think I said this before sometimes in nature the hunted dress up like the hunter in order to protect themselves right so I go I'm less shark and mo- more blowfish Right. Right. Like I, this isn't all of this stuff isn't I'm going to get you. It's more you're going to so you, leave me alone. So for in a, for you, it's more like it's been a Protective, mask yeah, and a protection yeah, yeah. rather than something you embraced and then a journeying yeah, out of. So you so. never you never really embraced that yeah. much. Like in your in your personality, yeah. but just in your way of outwardly looking. Like you see a lot of girls that were sexually abused. They will do things to push people away. Some gain weight. Some change their style of clothing there's different things that you do when you're abused and for that reason i've met a lot of guys especially when i've done when i've done stand-up shows and i've talked about crying on stage you wouldn't believe the way the guys looked that came up to me after and said oh, yep. i i cried for the first time yep. or my dad used to beat me they all look like extras on a movie about the hell's angels they're right. all big tattooed yeah, muscular yeah. Guys that look like they just got out of jail. Yeah. And it made me realize sometimes the scariest looking guys are the most scared. For sure. You know, For sure. Yeah. And I think, it, and I, I've had that, like, the experience of being a man and talking openly on stage about something emotional does mean that when you come off that stage, men come up to you and are like, thank you. This is something I've, I've not been yeah. able to go. Like I've talked about recently, I did um, Risk, you know, the American podcast. They came to London, Spark London, cool. who I work with. As you know, like we, I, I did a story with Risk basically in London. Awesome. And uh, a lot of that was about um, being bullied and it was also, and home stuff, but it was also about feeling ugly, like mm. feeling repellent, like uh, inside and it's got, it was kind of a, a feel good story though about that of like a moment when I didn't feel like people won't necessarily get into that. It's America they story. want a happy ending. Yeah well uh, yeah but I like <laughs> I like the happy ending too you know yeah. it means I felt I felt like I was attractive for one night you know wow it's a, it was a nice yeah. experience yeah. but the thing is talking about being ugly meant that the men came up afterwards and were like you know uh you know, I, I feel this way, and I can't talk about it, and it was really moving. Yeah, there was, and it was a, that's a, awesome. There was a nice side as well. That the, obviously, when you talk about feeling ugly on stage, you do get a lot of women coming up to you telling you look attractive. Yeah, which I've not had ever before in yeah. my life. It's just like a uh, so going I was out like, of business. What the hell sale, is happening? Right? Yeah. Uh, that's this, awesome. This must be what it's like to have some worth in the world. Uh, that's it's awesome. kind of good. 
yeah but anyway i mean like that's uh but uh, so you talk about that stuff i guess you must get people coming up to you and and and, and feeling like you, you that you're you're getting out something that they they can't get out i mean do you have that experience? yeah you know it's funny like a lot of some of my friends that don't work in the arts go oh it must be cool to be a performer when you're on stage you look you look cooler when you're up there. You know, they go like being a stand-up on a stage is like being a hamburger on TV. Right. You're your prettiest self. You know, and sometimes you unwrap it and you're what the fuck is this? Like, you know what I mean? Right. But when you're up on that stage, and and honestly, my most rewarding experiences have not been from meeting women after. It's been from men. Right. That's been the part that's blown me away. That's actually made me feel the the, the most good. Yeah, no, no, the been, men made me feel better. Right? Yeah, you know, it's been a, a trip. I would have never guessed that before. I mean, the women are great. It's yeah. nice to have a woman give you a compliment, but like to somehow what what uh, when a guy talks to another guy that openly, it feels like it's more it's a more precious stone. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like it's about the, the kind of connection that they're making. So if a woman comes up to me afterwards and says that I'm attractive, that makes me feel really complicated sure. and uh, good and bad at the same time. Uh-huh. But if they come up and say something in your story really chime with my experience, then I feel like that's the same as if a man said, it, that's, "That's a good true. thing." I feel yeah. like you know that's a, a, a valuable thing I've done. It's yeah. not about ego. Yeah. Uh, if they I compliment agree. me on my appearance, I feel like. Did I just do that for this? Am I what's is that who I am? I'm trying oh, to wow. get girls through talking about my You are bullying. like Mark Marin. I am <laughs> That's not the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, apart, apart from the time when my friend said you're just like Alan Moore, who's the comic book artist, a, a writer rather, who I really like as well. It's funny. He was trying to be insulting, but it was like the best insult I've ever That's had. Funny, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and I guess like one part of the things you talk about on stage like is kind of that you have been a user of cocaine I guess yeah yeah I used to have some drug problems yeah yeah I mean and was how did is that's I I guess is that related to your kind of childhood it seems like easy but likely to say that yeah yeah it's sort of you know like every time you live in a city it influences you you know like if you walk by the streets in LA and you look inside people's living rooms as you're walking you see the glow of a TV set when you walk by the streets up in Berkeley and you walk by living rooms, you see bookshelves and cities influence you. They make you behave certain ways. And, you know, I lived in Hollywood and Hollywood is crazy. Right. And it's known for being crazy. And it's yeah. known like we're from Hollywood and like we're not afraid of any drug. We're not afraid of anything. And it was just like, you know, I lived in this crazy town. And I felt very much a part of the city. And I, as a kid, I learned there's two ways to make friends before I found funny. One was being funny the other was being crazy, right? Like yeah. if there was a skateboard half pipe and people were like, oh, that's too steep. And they're like, Tamer will do it. Do right. you know what I mean? And then I'll do it and I'll get hurt and people be like, that guy's badass. <laughs> and it was, it's not a good lifestyle to be badass right. as an occupation. Yeah, like yeah. I had, I broke this arm three times, this arm two times, this leg, concussions. I got bit by a pit bull in the face. Fuck. Like just all to like make my friends go, hey, look how crazy I am. Do you know what I mean? Jesus. I watched Jackass the movie. I'm like, big deal. That's my yeah. fucking childhood. I didn't like, know about the cameras. I mean? Maybe yeah. it would have been better to have the cameras. Though. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, it was a weird way to grow up. And then you know the drugs got bigger, and we were unafraid. We felt invincible. That's. I think that's the that one cocaine thing. Cocaine will do that to you. Though, oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. but, but even before the cocaine, I'm like, I'm not gonna die. And it was. It was like having your dad alive. When is like the force field on the Starship Enterprise. You know that bad things can still happen to you, but there's a force field. I'm not going to die before my dad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That doesn't make mathematical sense to me. But then when my dad died, it felt like the force field went down. And I'm like, oh, now I can die. So it was weird. It was him dying that made me actually stop cocaine. 
But Coke was a natural progression. It right. was just part of the party. We started getting invited to cooler parties. The party stayed up later. When the party stayed up later, we looked for drugs that make, made us stay up later. Yeah. You know, there used to be plate parties in, in Hollywood where they'd have a plate with different pills and powders and they'd just be passing it out. And you'd just be like snort it. And they're like, what is it? And we're like, that's the party. You don't know yeah. what you're going to snort or what you're going to pop. And we didn't care. It was just a room full of people that didn't care. But you obviously stopped caring. Like started caring rather. Yeah, when I almost died. <coughs> I, I used to do so much cocaine that my dealer told me to slow down. Wow. That's and a, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm on. What kind of a capitalist are you? Do, that's yeah, so un-American, you know? <laughs> and then this one, you know, I, I was a dick at work. I, I worked in advertising, so, and I was frustrated. I was, I was good at what I did, but I was a dick to work with. And then so Friday, I'm like, yeah, Friday, I just worked an 80-hour week. I'm going to party. And I go home and there'd be nobody there. So then I just started doing the cocaine by myself. And one night, I was so hot, my heart was beating so fast that I was like, I'm going to die. But there was one more line. So I was like, what do I do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm going to die, but there's one more. I can't just leave it. I can't waste it. And I felt like, and then I went, shit, if I die, I'm naked. I got naked because I was so hot right. from the cocaine. And so I'm naked in my room. And there's a glass table underneath the glass is a guitar of a friend of mine who'd committed suicide. So as I'm snorting the line, I'm staring at a bass guitar underneath this glass table. And I have one more line. I go, I'm naked. If I die, that's going to embarrass my mom. So I decide I'm gonna, I go into my bedroom. I, come, I put underwear on. And then I come out and I finish the fucking line. Like, and, I, and I felt like I could have died. I didn't. You know, I went for a walk and went out. I stood in the street in my underwear I'm like a lunatic. Do you know, but in Hollywood, that wasn't that weird, you know, <laughs> but I was like 3 a.m. And I'm just standing in the street in my underwear. And then my neighbor goes, hey, are you OK? And, I'm, uh, and I just held up one finger and he go, and he just stood there and just kept staring at me. And I, and I go, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. And he goes, dude, slow down. And I go, OK, <laughs> but he didn't know. I don't know if he knew, but he just said, dude, slow down. And I walked upstairs. It, it must have taken me 10 minutes to walk back upstairs to my apartment. And then I just like laid there got my breath and the next day I said you know it, for my mom I can't die this way right I have to die a, a nobler way right right and then I started reading Bukowski and there's this great quote by Bukowski and he said find what you love and let it kill you and I'm like okay I'll die that way You're gonna die free comedy yeah I'll die I'll die standing up you know I'll die doing something I care about and talking about things I care about than dying like a cliche yeah you know what I mean? it's much better yeah I recommend yeah. it yeah yeah I found yeah. so that's the kind of that's quite a good way to die. There's a few other ways to die that might be all right. Yeah, but that's probably the one that's yeah. the, the nicest for everybody. But I want to die pursuing yeah. something. You, like there's this really interesting retirement home in Hollywood. It's in Burbank actually, and it's a retirement home for old people that want to be creative. So they have art and and pottery and filmmaking. And one of the women wrote a screenplay that was so good that they took it to Sundance. It was the first time a screenplay was written by old people, performed by old people. And, and they started interviewing the old people. And then there'd be like somebody who was the star. And then she was getting her lines really well. And then a week later, she'd die. <laughs> so they had to recast another old person. It was so sad. But the coolest thing this woman said is she said, she, they're like, how, how has this changed your life? And she said, you know, I used to wake up in the morning and see the ceiling and go, thank God. She's like, but now I wake up in the morning and I'm excited. I'm excited about learning my lines. I'm excited about giving a good performance. I'm excited about this film going to Sundance. She's like, and I realize the things that keep you young is taking risks. T 
taking risks in life keeps you young. Yeah, yeah. When you get older, you progressively get more and more safe. I have a family now. I have a job now. I have responsibilities now. So you just keep doing safe, 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 safe. We push and failure or the chance to fail is what kept her young. Yeah. And I love that idea. So I go, yeah, that's what I want to keep trying to fail and I'll die that way. If I die when I'm still trying to get good at something, then I, that's a good death yeah. to me. Well, I think, I, I, yeah, let's, that's, that's almost like a, a positive suicide path. Yeah, we'll, we'll I both, agree. We'll both die it's really slow. It's a slow suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best kind. So, um, yeah, I mean, so the, the last sort of question I ask people, and then we can take a little bit of time of it, but the last question that I ask people is, do you have anything to plug? So, uh, yeah, I mean... I imagine you're going to plug your show, but sure. we'll see where we get to after that. Sure. Yeah, well, just, uh, we've got, what, what's today? Today's Wednesday, right? Uh, yes. Wednesday? No, Thursday. 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 Oh, Thursday. my God. You're not long Thursday. now. Thursday. Wow, so it goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we have four days left. That's right. Um, four days left of the Fringe. Um, one, But I would like to plug one day in particular, and that's the 23rd. There's a woman here named Lynn Ruth Miller. She started comedy at 71, and now she's 80. And she's got a show called Not Dead Yet, which is an amazing show. She's a really great woman, and she's going to do a guest spot on Rick her Yates, show. Rick yeah, and I'm really excited to have her because I just she's really inspirational to me. Like I started comedy at 40, and I was like, oh, I started too late. And she's like, I started at 71, and I'm like, shit, I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm really excited to have her on the show. Our show is called The American Road Show. It's on every night at 11:20 in the caves, and it's myself and Toby Morishani, both. American stand-ups, but we're, we're both on the road 10 months out of the year around Europe and Asia and Australia. So. They're both really good. I saw them Thank you. Night. Thanks a lot. And it was great seeing you. The guest uh, comedian you had last night was really Evelyn good. Evelyn Mock. Yeah, right. she was awesome. Right, right. She was awesome. And so if, if, it, if all your guest spots are as, as good as that, I can thoroughly recommend you. Yeah, we always land great right? guests. I mean, the deal is with Toby and I, these are comics that both of us have met and comics that both uh, he and I respect. And so those are the people we've been putting up and we've had great responses. Yeah. And it's only three quid as well, which is really yeah, good. Like, good as, as paid gigs, like there's a lot of free fringe stuff, like what yeah. I do. Um, but as paid ones go, three pounds is very reasonable and you're going to get a really good lineup. So, you Thanks, know, it's, yeah. It's I think guarantee. so. I think we've got a good show. Yeah, it's a nice room as well. It feels nice and intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's haunted, I didn't know that. Well, everywhere's haunted. We're yeah. in the most haunted uh, pub in London. In, in That's right, Edinburgh. Banshee Labyrinth, right? Yeah, 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 it is scary in there, especially the toilets. That's the, that's <laughs> oh, the most terrifying the most, room. The, the, really, <laughs> the really terrible fine thing about the toilets is you've got like... Um, Flavored condoms, which are oh. Scotch whiskey flavored oh. condoms. Does that would that be? Yeah. Would that that would yeah. do anything? Like, the the room is majority women, and they're not looking impressed with the, uh, with that. <laughs> and so I, I thoroughly support yeah. that. whiskey uh, flavored condoms. Yeah, I don't imagine anyone's going to be into that. Uh, men listening probably avoid that. Uh, and it's next to some like um, like gel to make you fuzzy. You know, it's fizzy. so weird. It's like, what the yeah. hell is that? Why do we have to change our wiener so much? Right. Well, why do I want a smooth like? Yeah. Like, why not just a regular wiener? Right. Why yeah. All the bumps and the stuff well, I mean, for her pleasure. If she would like something different, I feel like that's a good idea to provide that. But I don't think anyone's going to want scotch. It's a little bit like putting a sweater on a dog. That's what I feel like about, like, the condoms with all the nubs on them and stuff. Like, it makes the owner happy, but, like, the dog looks uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) The the dog's going to be a lot happier when you take that ridiculous tank top off the chihuahua. Okay. 
<laughs> that's an interesting but I didn't expect Sorry. that to come up in the plugs but that's okay I mean the, the, the conversation goes in any direction you can't really control it. Um, but that's great and uh, can they find you online and stuff like that yeah please do my, my Twitter is at Tamer Katan and Tamer is T-A-M-E-R and the last name is Katan K-A-T-T-A-N uh, and on you know Facebook and all the, all the big social network stuff all the big social media yeah. you can find me there I'm on the biggest websites yeah. <laughs> Famous, brilliant. <laughs> Nowhere. Well, my show Stand Up Tragedy is on uh, until the twenty fourth, so, so uh, at seven thirty at the Banshee Labyrinth. as part of the Free Fringe, um, and we've got a different lineup every night. Tam has done it three times. It's but awesome. He's not going to be doing it again, but he is he is fantastic. Um, and there's there's one more day of getting better acquainted happening live. Uh, well, the recordings are happening live, and then they posted shortly afterwards. Um, but uh, happening at three fifteen at the uh, Royal Oak, and I'm talking to tomorrow. I'm talking to Megan. Co- Cohen, who is a kind of theatre maker from San Francisco, poet and cool. theatre maker. So it's been a really nice uh, lineup. Actually, I've uh, I'm really been really pleased to get kind of people who are real taste of what the Fringe is about. That's great. Uh, it's been really good for that, um, and it's been our biggest audience uh, so far, which yeah. is lovely uh, to, to share this this getting a be- better acquainted process with you all. Um, it's all ladies too. Well, yeah, apart from yeah, Har- 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 yeah, Har- 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 yeah, but Harma has gorgeous hair. Har- 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 uh, in every way, uh, yeah, just from the from the scalp up. From the scalp. No, yeah. I love Harv. That's that's how beautiful I think Harv is. <laughs> I don't he even is, mind the. Beard. He is a beautiful I mean, man. I, mean, I think he looks he looks like a lion. I, I think he's, he's he's hot in that kind of way. So. Um, yeah, the last thing that I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Now, we have two audiences, so make of that how you will. So we've got, yeah, say goodbye. Okay, good. Thank you guys for coming. You guys are awesome. I don't think you look homeless. That was crazy that the lady said that to you. You tell me earlier, a lady asked you if you were homeless or something like that? No. And she's in Spanish, and then she said, <laughs> never mind. That was, that was a bad looking, way, that was a bad way to say goodbye. <laughs> I just like embarrassing people. You, you said something like that. <laughs> okay, that was for the, terrible. For the listeners, she's like, she, she, there, there is some relevance. He hasn't just picked on someone. No, no there, was, there was an earlier conversation, yeah. yeah. Just, just to clarify that for the listeners. Oh, it's a homeless person. Oh, God. And then she knew you were Spanish. Oh. Okay, that makes sense. Right. That makes more sense. I have to change my accent, but then... I don't even open my mouth and people already know. See, I can relate. So, so. Well, yeah. I think this one second though. Okay, so instead of just saying bye, I'm going to say buenas tardes. <laughs> bye. And then goodbye to everyone on the tiny speaker box. This yeah. reminds me of the Charlie's Angels. Does it? Hello, Charlie. The mission complete. <laughs> right? That's a great way to say goodbye. <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>